You know, it was just a normal day. I was teaching a class. I was a school teacher in Texas, and I uh, just dismissed my first period class. And they were off and running. And I, I had my, the second period I had off. I was a conference period, so I enjoyed that, that and lunch. And so I had uh, just dismissed our kids, and, and my class was empty. And I get a phone call from my, my office there in the choir room, and it was my wife. She calls me, and she says, uh, hey, you might want to turn on the TV. I had a TV in my room, and so I turned it on, noticed smoke filling up the sky from one of the towers, the World Trade Center, and thought it was just a tragic accident. Most of us thought that. In fact, initially, people thought it was just a, a prop plane that hit the towers. And then I remember while I was on the phone, and then I remember the second plane, I remember watching it live on TV, hitting that tower. And everyone knew at that point that it was no accident. It was an act of terror. And I remember just going, oh, dear God. And I prayed when I saw that first tower, but then I was like, okay, this, this is serious. And then you hear one after one about, obviously, the plane going down and, and the Pentagon and in Pennsylvania. And I remember the feeling of, you know, I love these students, and um, I love this school, but I don't want to be here right now. I want to be home with my wife, and at that time, two kids, and I wanted to be home with them. And you probably, for those who are old enough, you probably remember where you were when it happened. You probably had sort of the same feelings of, I, I just want to be around the people that I love. I want to make sure that we're all right. You know, on that day, tragedy struck. And as we begin this new marriage series called It Takes Three, it's a three-part series. Today, I want us to talk about how we can protect our marriage. How we can protect our marriage. Now, before some of you start checking out, because I know some of you are, are single, whether you're not the age of getting married or, or maybe you're in a season in your life where, where you are not married. Um, I want you to listen because what we're going to talk about today, you will carry with you when the time comes for you to marry. Or if you're at an age where maybe you have, you have lost your spouse, uh, maybe they passed on, and you can be an inspiration to other people in your life with what we're going to share with today. But just like the events on 9-11, tragedy strikes in our marriages. And there's even some similarities. You know, on that day, September 11, 2001, it was, a, it was a beautiful day. I don't think there was a cloud in the sky and all across America. It was a beautiful, incredible day. And it was just like, man, things are going great. There were no issues. The, uh, the economy was doing well. And everything was great. Well, that's usually a time when terrorists 
try to attack our marriage. And what I mean by terrorists, I mean, I mean the enemy, working through other people, working through your mind. And that's when the enemy comes, when everything is beautiful. And that's when we need to be on our guard. Also remember, the, 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 uh, the people here in America, we just, we weren't expecting that. We weren't expecting any kind of terrorist attack. It, it came when we least expected it. And in a marriage, those attacks in our marriage will come when we least expect it. The, um, the people who were on the, the planes going into the, the Twin Towers, they knew they were, reports show that they, were, they knew they were being hijacked. And usually what happens is that the, the hijackers land the plane and they demand some, some money. And they work out a deal and the people are fine. Did they know that they were heading right towards disaster into the Twin Towers? You know, when enemy comes against us, um, we may not know. We may not have any idea what their end result is. But know this, that the end result is your enemy wants your marriage to be destroyed. Because marriage came from God. And we, as a church, are the bride of Christ. And because of that, the, uh, the enemy, Satan, wants to destroy your marriage, my marriage. And then also, about September 11th, it was an inside job. Inside meaning this. The terrorists were people who were living in the United States. The planes were owned by companies here in the United States. Now, it was planned outside of the United States by terrorists, masterminds, but it was, it was carried out by people that were here. One thing we can keep in mind is this. The people that are trying to destroy your marriage, the, the thoughts that are trying to destroy your marriage, Satan will use those people, those thoughts, those, those situations, those emotions. He will use those that are already in your life. Some people that are already in your life, you may not know, Satan will try to use. Some of the thoughts in your mind, Satan will try to use. Some of your emotions that you keep going over and again, Satan will use. They're already in your life. So we gotta be watchful for that. So as we, as we talk about protecting your marriage, you know, it's gonna take more than two people to, to protect your marriage. You know, obviously a marriage is a solemn vow between a man and a woman, and so there are two people in that marriage. And with that marriage, there is a bond. And so in that marriage, a lot of marriages think, well, us, you and I, we love each other. And they think that love is going to help veer off any, um, any attacks on their marriage. We're strong enough. Our love is strong enough. Yeah, it's important to have strong love, but it's going to take more than two of you. It's going to take three. As we see in this rope, this is an old rope. It's a great rope. And as we could tell by the strands, 
there are three strands on this rope. Did you know that the strongest rope has three strands, three cords, not just two? And what's interesting, I did a little bit of research about three strands of ropes. It's interesting that three strands is as most strands you could have, and they all touch one another. If you try to put four strands together, they're Four strands, all four of those strands, are, as you wound them together, they're not going to touch each other, all of them. Um, three strands is as much that you can have to where they can all connect. And so as we think of, as we think of this rope here as three strands, know this. It's you, your spouse, and God. Having God, having the power of Jesus in your life, having the Holy Spirit in your life is that third strand. Well, you may say, well, Frank, duh, I know that. Well, what we're going to look at today is how are we going to use that third strand in our life, in our marriage, and what application can we use? In, in, uh, in God's Word, we see this uh, carried out in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse uh, 9 through 12, it says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity, pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. So he's talking about the power of two, the power of two. You've got to have another person. You've got to have a, this other person in, in your life. And then it closes with a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Yet two, two is good, but three is better. Three is better. It's not quickly broken. And it's the strongest um, connection of strands. So, what are some, uh, what are some practical marriage tips that, that we can talk about uh, today? Now, so w think of it like this. You, you have a house. Uh, maybe you live in an apartment, a townhome, a house, whatever. And you want to protect your house. And you want to do everything you can um, um, to take people and don't let them come into your house. And so, obviously, there are some things we're going we're gonna to do with that. Number one, uh, we've got to have a plan. We've got to have a plan for that. You can't just say we're going to protect our house and not have any kind of plan on how to protect that. In, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. You know, wise married couples, they decide early to have a strategy, strategy for protecting their marriage. They want to have a plan of protecting the marriage from the beginning. If you don't have a plan of protecting your marriage, uh, and, and we'll get, uh, you'll see as we get on, then it's going to be too late as you get into your marriage. 
So not only do you want to have a plan, you, uh, you want to get some outside lighting. You want to get some outside lighting for your house. That kind of helps with, with uh, getting people away from your house or uh, maybe show, uh, you know, in the darkness of night, having that light there. But in Romans chapter 13, verse 12, it says, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let's put away the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Light exposes everything hidden in the darkness. When husbands and wives submit to Christ, the light of truth illuminates the darkness. One of the biggest issues with marriages is a simple command, and that is this, don't lie. Don't lie. Lies, once they start rolling into a marriage, lies are hard to get out. And the only way for lies to get out is with the light of truth, the light of truth. And so we want to make sure that we, have, we submit our, our hearts to Christ, that we follow him, and we keep the light of Christ in our marriage. So we want to have a plan we want to have some outside lighting on our house. We want to install a good alarm system. A good alarm system. In John chapter uh, 14, verse 26, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus talking, will teach you in all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So for those of you who are believers, the Holy Spirit is living in your life. And the Holy Spirit is, is your conscience with a megaphone saying, all right, this is what you have learned. This is what you picked up on your life. Remember when, when you went to Lake Point Church years ago and the pastor talked about ways uh, and, uh, on how to protect your marriage, uh, what's in God's Word? The Holy Spirit will help remind you of that. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's an alarm system. Listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, in this world where the Holy Spirit is competing against other voices in our life, we need to take time, be still, be quiet, say, Lord, let your Holy Spirit speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. Let me hear from you. And the Holy Spirit will give you alarms, will give you discernment. The Holy Spirit raises the alarm of, of, of discernment Whenever Christian couples are pulled away from spiritual disciplines. When, when Suzanne and I are pulled away from our each individual uh, disciplines and even disciplines as a, as a family, then we sense that. And we say, okay, we, we, we need to take a break, time out, time out. You know, we, we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the basics. And it's so easy to drift away. It's so easy. And so you need to have that alarm system listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, and the other tip is this. So you need, a, you, you need to have a plan. You need to have some lighting. You need to have an alarm system to listen to the Holy Spirit. You also need to have a, have a watchdog in your life. I'm not talking about your spouse, all right? So make sure you don't get that. So in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, we have a, we have a black lab in, in, in our house. His name's Charlie. He's a great dog. You know, 
sometimes I think if an intruder came around our house, he'd probably just wag his tail, you know, and lick him and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but there, were time, there have been times when Charlie has been startled by something, and he'll just start barking. And, and there have been times at, at night or, or uh, maybe early in the morning, he'd be on the side porch looking in the woods and barking at something. And I'm like, all right, just go get him, Charlie, because I'm not going out there, you know. But, but what Charlie does is he raises awareness and, and he, he points out that there is an enemy that is close by. And so we need to, um, we need to make sure um, that we pray, we speak, and that we acknowledge the danger. You know the dangers that come into your life. If, if, if you sent some, uh, some intruders in your marriage, you need to not overlook that. You need to not overlook that. If, if a bear were to come near our house, and if Charlie would see that bear and look at it and say, uh, he's all right, turn back around. He's not doing his job. Well, you're not doing your job as a spouse if you see an intruder in your marriage and you don't say something about it. I know sometimes it's like, you know, we're a little naive. We just kind of put things under the rug. But let me tell you something, y'all. You need to be a watchdog. You need to be a watchdog. You need to let yourself know. You need to let your spouse know, hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm seeing. And it may be a tough conversation to have, but this is what I'm seeing. So you need to get a watchdog. You need to be a watchdog. Uh, protect, uh, protection tip number five, you need to um, use discretion with visitors. You need to use discretion with visitors. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Let me tell you something. To protect your marriage, you need to be watchful of the people that are coming into your life. Like we, we have a rule at our house. Don't just let anybody in. It's your Lincoln sometimes when he gets to the door first. And it's amazing when some, the doorbell rings it could, you know, it could be a terrorist in front of, and our kids are going there and opening the door. Hey, come on in, you know, have a seat. But, but we have a rule in our house. You don't just let anyone in, and you probably have a similar rule. You need to have the same rule in your marriage. You don't just let anybody into your, your deepest relationships. Now, it doesn't mean that, gosh, we, we've got we've to share the gospel we need, we need to be the light of Jesus, yes. We need to bring those people who are far from God and have them come to God. But, but we've got to be careful who we allow as a deep relationship into our marriage. So discerning couples um, use discretion and ask questions. Does this person or this group of people lead us closer are further away from God? That's a question you need to ask. Does this person or does, does this group of people lead us further or closer to God? And let me tell you something. I need to be honest with you. Some of those people could be your very own family, your extended family. You got extended family who are trying to bring down your marriage. You need to acknowledge them as family. You need to be nice to them. But other than that, that's where you draw the line. Because your most important relationship is between you and your spouse. It's your most important relationship. I tell, 
I tell our kids all the time, look, I love you, but I don't love you near as much as I love your mother. And they're like, what? Yeah. I didn't choose you. God chose you. I chose her. They're like, yeah, it makes sense. But, but I'm talking even extended family. And some of those friends, if you, have, if you have a person or a group of people in your life and they are causing some strife in your marriage, you are being disobedient in your marriage. You are. You need to cut ties with those people to a certain degree. You need to be careful of the people who are coming into your life. Protection, uh, protection tip number six, start a neighborhood watch program. Start a neighborhood watch program. In 1 John uh, chapter 1, yep, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, but if we walk in the light as he, Christ, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So the, the key word there is fellowship. We have fellowship with one another. A, one way to, to, to help with security in your neighborhood is to have a neighborhood watch program. This right here is a neighborhood watch program for your marriage. Small groups is a neighborhood watch program for your marriage. You hold each other accountable. My wife has conversations with, with ladies in our small group. I have conversations with the men in our small group, and we hold each other accountable. If there's something going on in marriage, hey, I need you to, I need you to just pray for me. Just pray for my marriage. I mean, we don't have to get off in your junk, but just, just you know, let us know if we need to pray for you. Let us know if you need, if you need us to pray for you. And that is what a small group is for. Get involved in a small group. That is your neighborhood watch program. And that will help protect your marriage. So regular fellowship. Uh, protection tip number seven. Build a fence. Build a fence. In Job um, chapter 24, verse 2. There are those who move boundary stones. They pass your flocks they have stolen. So, so think about a shepherd. Bad shepherd, bad shepherd. There are those who move boundary stones. They pasture flocks. They have stolen. So the idea of you've got this boundary and, and I'm going to move this boundary. Y'all, we've got to build a fence. One way to protect your, protect your yard, protect your house is to build a fence. I built many fences in my, in, in my life around our house, and it was there to protect, to keep our kids in, to keep intruders out. And so build that fence. Have the boundaries in your life. Set those boundaries in your marriage. You need to discuss those boundaries. I'm going to give you some, some uh, ideas on that in just a moment. But you need to discuss those boundaries. What are our boundaries? And you need to be honest with one another. You need to say, you know, I don't really like when you bring this person into, into our marriage um, arguments because they, they are not neutral. They don't provide a lot of biblical sense. Could you please not bring them into that? So there needs to be boundaries in that. 
Or, you know, I, I don't really like when, you know, when you hang out with this person because it really stretches your boundaries. And it's like when you go out with these set, set, set of guys, then it's like boundaries don't exist. So set the boundaries. Build the fence. You've got to protect your marriage. I know that's not fun. It's not fun. I don't like building fences. I don't. But it has to be done. And building those boundaries in our life, in our marriage, will protect our marriage. Uh, protection tip number eight is remove clutter around the outside of the home. Remove clutter around the house. In uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses up in heaven looking down, this is Paul talking, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, one way is to protect your, protect your house from intruders is you need to kind of clean up your area around the outside of your home, okay? Meaning don't give opportunities for intruders to kind of hide behind. You know, if there are places like that, you want to shine some light on that. And so you want to protect your home in the same way uh, with your marriage. You want to get rid of those, that, that junk in your life that you can hide behind. And that junk is in the form of sin. If you have, we all have sin, every one of us. But if there is sin that you're struggling with and you're hiding behind, then you need to confess that sin. You need to get some people praying with you. You need to get some accountability. You need to talk to your spouse about that sin. If there's any sin in your life that's hindering your marriage, that needs to be exposed. And you need to take it and remove it from your marriage home. So that sin, remove it. Remove the clutter. Um, last tip. Protection tip number nine, call for emergency help. If you do have an intruder in your, in your house, okay, some say, well, I'm just going to get a gun or get a baseball bat, whatever. That's fine. But eventually, you're going to have to call for some help. You have to call 911 and get some help. And so, um, in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20, it says, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Listen to advice and accept that discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. What, what, what Solomon is saying there with the proverb is that um, we need to seek that counsel. When we have an intruder in our marriage, don't try to do that on your own. Don't try to do this with just two of you because you're going to break. You're going to break. It takes three and by the way, if you want to get a counselor, I strongly recommend a Christian counselor. If you need counseling, I have contacts, and we have an agreement with a Christian counselor that can help you, that can help you. In fact, if you want to go to the marriage retreat, October 15th, you want to go to that. It's going to be great. We've got one of the counselors who are going to be, who's going to be speaking at that retreat on October 15th. But you want three. 
And so God works through Christian counselors. God works through small group leaders. God works through, uh, through, through uh, pastors and lay, lay leaders who can help you with that. There are people in this church who have been on the brink of divorce, who God reached in with his grace and his mercy, and he redeemed that marriage, and he saved them, saved that marriage from utter destruction. It's kind of like the plane going right towards the tower and at the last split second veering off. Wouldn't that have been great? God has done that in marriages in our church. And he could do it with your marriage. So call 911. Stop the hemorrhaging. Stop the bleeding. Call 911. You can't do it on your own. And that's okay. So call for some help. You know, there are different seasons in our, in our marriage that we could protect. There's before our marriage, there's during our marriage, and there's even after our marriage. Let me explain. Before our marriage, and not many people think of this, to protect your marriage even before you even get married? Yeah. Because what you do before you get married, and young people, you need to listen to students, singles, here in this room, what you do before you get married, you're going, that's going to come into your marriage. Sleeping around, all those people are going to come into your marriage. All those emotions, and you've got to deal with that. And how you view the person of the opposite gender is going to affect your marriage. How you view, you've got to have a healthy view of this. You know, I, I, I love all of our kids. And, and uh, our oldest daughter, Madison, most of y'all know her. She's off at college right now. But she, uh, she uh, we uh, texted her just the other day and a couple of nights ago. And it was really, really late. And so Suzanne texts uh, Madison. She goes, Hey, what you doing? She's in North Greenville University in South Carolina. And um, she goes, well, I I'm on top of a water tower. So Suzanne says, uh, why are you on top of a water tower? She goes, because I can. You're right. You're an adult. You can climb a water tower. And she goes, are you by yourself? Is everything all right? <laughs> Because, so Madison says, yeah, I, I'm here with three guys. All right, so think of that just for a second. My daughter, very strong believer, she's at college, freshman, top of a water tower in South Carolina with three college guys. Can I tell you something? We're not worried one bit. You know why? Madison's never had a boyfriend. She'll get a boyfriend when she gets close to getting married. But she has an incredible, healthy view of the opposite gender. She's got great friends. She's in a degree program where I believe she's the only freshman female in the outdoor leadership program. But guys like hanging out with Madison because there's not this awkwardness. She's like one of the guys, you know? But she's got this, she's got very close friends 
and she had in high school too, who are guys. Can I tell you something? When, when God chose the, the man that she's going to marry, she and that boy, that young man, are going to be best friends. They're going to be best friends before they even get married. They're not going to have that awkwardness. They're going to be best friends. That's a healthy outlook and a view of someone of the opposite gender. So she's going to bring that into her marriage. So how can you protect your marriage? Before you get married, what you do now is going to come into your marriage. So you need to be careful. You need to be careful. Protect your marriage. Pray for your spouse. Here's a thought. Can I tell you something? Especially students, I guarantee you there's probably some man or woman, some mom or dad in America right now who's praying for you right now, and they don't even know you. You know why? Because they have a son or they have a daughter who's eventually going to get married, and they're praying for her, and they're praying for you. You don't even know that. And how do I know that? Because I'm doing that myself. Suzanne's doing that. Some parents are already doing that here in this room for your, your son or your daughter. You are spending time praying that God would protect that future spouse. God would have that future spouse come, draw close to him and have a relationship with Jesus Christ and live a life of freedom and, and, and from sin. And so you're being prayed for right now. Protect your marriage before you get married. Now, how can you protect your marriage uh, while you're married? Well, th here's, some, here's some practical examples. Number one, don't be alone with a member of the opposite sex that isn't family. <laughs> and if you live in Arkansas, you might want to include that as well. <laughs> so you want to make sure, I should have said Alabama, I'm sorry. So it, you want to make sure you're not alone with someone of the opposite gender. That, that's, that's a no-brainer. Now, I know that, that many of us work in, work in jobs where you're, you're in that situation, you know, but you've got you to have open communication. There have been times I'd call, you know, uh, Suzanne and say, okay, uh, I'm, I'm about to enter a meeting with a, a, a female, and I want to let you know that this is happening, and, and we're going to talk, and that kind of stuff. We're meeting here, that sort of deal. And I know sometimes uh, that, that, you know, your spouse can't be with you all the time, or, or there, uh, there can't be a third party there, but you've got to make sure, if you're with that uh, opposite gender, you've got to bring in your spouse into that conversation, or let them know what's going on. I have a third party there. Don't be alone with someone. Don't go to, don't go to lunch with someone of the opposite gender. Don't go to lunch with someone of the opposite gender. Um, don't keep things from each other. Don't keep things from each other. Be transparent. This is how you can protect your marriage right now. Be transparent in your marriage. Don't keep things, okay? Uh, share an email address, okay? There, I know there are people in our church, they share a Facebook page, okay? If you don't share uh, the same Facebook page, uh, make sure you can log into that. I mean, I mean there's all kinds of, I mean, Instagram, you know? Snapchat, Twitter. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, of, of ways that you and I, um, as, as adults, that we can be transparent 
with our spouse. So be transparent. Don't hide anything from them. Uh, talk about your spouse often around others. Talk about your spouse around others. I do this all the time. I love talking about Suzanne. I love. And sometimes I do it even when she's there. Last week we, had a, we, we were part of a um, uh, part of her wedding, uh, he, and uh, the Griswold's uh, daughter got married, and we were part of that, uh, that wedding. And on Friday night of that uh, rehearsal dinner, uh, there was a, we were talking to some other people, and Suzanne was standing beside me, and, and there was a lady who was like, you know, she looked at my wife. She goes, wow, you, you are, you're, you're beautiful, you know? And, and uh, you know, we were talking about how, how we have six kids, and I was like, there was, she was like, you have six kids? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the reason why I have six kids, because of my beautiful wife, you know? I mean, I love talking about my wife. She's a part of me. And I mention my wife as quickly as I can. If I meet somebody I know, especially someone of the opposite gender in the community, and I'll say, hey, me and my wife, we live in your Harley, you know, yada, yada, we were playing at church. And so you want to talk about your spouse all the time. If you, if you have a relationship with someone of the opposite gender and you never talk about your spouse, can I tell you something? You're in danger zone. You're in danger zone. Don't have those uh, close friends that, um, that your spouse does not know about of the opposite gender. And then uh, the last tip is this. Don't confide or counsel members of the opposite sex. Don't confide in someone of the opposite gender. Oh, I have this problem, or my husband and I, we're, you know, we don't, don't confide, unless it's a counselor, trained counselor, Christian counselor, don't confide in someone. That's dangerous, very dangerous. Uh, so we talked about how to protect your marriage before and during, what about after? Well, after is a direct result of what's happening before and during. You say, well, Frank, you mean after we're divorced? No. <laughs> I'm talking about after the kids have left the house. They're all grown up, and the kids have left the house. You need to protect your marriage now so that when the kids are gone, you can get to know your spouse in a more intimate way. And your kids will look back and say, man, I need to find somebody that I can marry so we can have a marriage like mom and dad. That is a standard. You want to leave a legacy. You want to leave a legacy. Another way, another after is this. If you have moved from one region of the country, maybe you got to transfer a job or another part of the world to another part of the, part of the country, you're going to have friends there, and as you leave, they're going to remember. Wow, remember, I remember they had such a great marriage, even after you're gone. And if, they, if you see them years later, they know. They don't even have to ask how the marriage is going because they already know because it was such a great example. And then you want to leave a, le a legacy after you and your spouse have left this world. You want to leave that legacy. You want to be a hero for marriages. You want people to, to look at your marriage and say, man, they're in heaven right now, but what a great marriage they had. You want to protect it for that. 
be a hero. You know, on September 11, 2001, we had lots of heroes. This past summer, our students went to New York, and we were there at Ground Zero, and we saw the memorial. If you've ever got a chance, you just Google pictures of it, get a chance to see it in person, go do that. But where those Twin Towers stood, there's two large square holes in the ground with, with waterfalls flowing endlessly just representing the lives that would go on forever and the thoughts of them would go on forever. And all around the edges of that hole is sort of this, this ledge and this, uh, this counter. And, and etched in that, that brass, in that steel there, is, are names of people who passed away. And you'll see some that will say, Sergeant so-and-so. Sergeant so-and-so. As people were running away from the damage, there were people who were running towards the destruction. Destruction and terrorism will come in your marriage. It will try to come in your marriage. If it hasn't happened, it will. Young people, singles, you need to be prepared for you never know when it's going to strike. But let me tell you something. Don't run away from it. Be your hero and run towards it. Run right towards it. Call it what it is. Get people to help you. Get involved in small group. Get involved in a church. Get Christian counseling. Do everything you can to run towards it. And be that hero for your marriage. Be that hero for your legacy. Now, there may be people here today, it's like, you know, Frank, I could use some prayer. I could use some prayer for our marriage. And I understand this. We've got two more weeks of this marriage series. And we're going to talk about some great things as we move towards on how it takes three and not just two. But if you want to make sure you have that third strand in your life, know this. We're going to be praying for you throughout this, this uh, series. But after I'm finished with this message, we're going to have announcements and we're done. But I'm going to be in the lobby. And I want you to just, just tell me, hey, Frank, call me. Or just, you know, maybe you ask, ask my wife, Suzanne, if you're, if you're uh, a female, just have, have Suzanne call or me. Or, or maybe you have some lay people in here, some other small group leaders. We would love to pray with you. Do not do this on your own. Do everything you can to protect your marriage. Or ride